Christmas was on its way. Lovely, glorious, beautiful Christmas around which the entire kid year revolved. Ho, 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 cassettes. <laughs> and welcome to the Christmas Case Diaries. <laughs> Just kidding. It's us. It's the Black Case Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> we, we say the Christmas thing like during the Christmas season. Uh, right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. It's right. a bit. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy. And I'm Adam. Hello. Hey. We're back. Welcome to da, the da, da, season da. eight premiere oh my god of the black case diaries frick later this month we'll be celebrating <laughs> our fourth year doing this oh so. my god look Any, at that it'll, it'll, it's gotta be over soon right <laughs> do you remember me and little baby podcasters and, and we look yeah. at other shows that have been around for like four years oh yeah and be like wow i can't imagine that yeah. oh my gosh yeah right. and now that's us yeah. now that's us yeah and then and, and our and, podcast is old it is. <laughs> and all those all of those other like startup podcasts that yeah. we were friends with right at the start. They're all gone. Gone. Not all yeah. of them, but a lot of uh, them. But chunk so of them. many. Yeah. yeah the uh, <laughs> in podcast years, we're like 70. I know. <laughs> we're much. so old. We, we, yeah. <laughs> this episode marks the beginning of not only the Christmas season, but also season eight of our show. Oh, Yay. yeah. I wrote in the dog, celebrate. I like how it's- <laughs> Yeah, do we Ooh. do we do a dance party? Here we go. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way, all the way. I, I like We're how, laughing all the way. <laughs> I like how the song Jingle Bell Rock already yeah. exists, but we did that instead because that's copyrighted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This December, we're celebrating the four-year anniversary of the BCD with episodes featuring some of our favorite Christmas stories, including, of course, a Christmas story. Uh-huh. Hey! <laughs> Yay! Ever since the world met Ralphie Parker in November of 1983, Christmas has never been the same. For almost 40 years, families have been laughing along with the Parker family through their Christmas ups and downs. Although parts of the film haven't aged well, it seems to have achieved a status of a timeless Christmas classic. That's, I think the funny thing about this movie is that yeah. everybody says it's simultaneously timeless. Yeah. But also, but also very of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some things which is you know it takes place yeah. in the in the 30s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot has changed since then. Yes. Anyway, so slip on your bunny pajamas and try not to shoot your eyes out. It's time for a Christmas story. Uh, yes. What do you guys? What are your initial thoughts on oh a Christmas gosh. story? I mean, it's uh, it's one of those movies that everyone always brings up yeah. for the holiday yeah. Yeah. every single time. <laughs> I see the iconic lamp everywhere. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And t-shirts, the the that wagon, yes. and mm-hmm. the the BB gun. Yeah, all of it. It's yeah. just all the time mm-hmm. around this time of year. It's not one of the movies that I personally watch every season. Yeah, gotcha. But it's always in. The 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 atmosphere. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say <laughs> you don't have to watch this. No, it, it watches you. You know, <laughs> you know what it I'm watches. saying. It sees it's, you when you're sleeping. <laughs> it's just there. You know, like you don't. I mean, yeah. knows when you're not watching. You could. There's a. It's a chance that maybe you haven't sat down. Right, someone listening. Maybe you haven't sat down and watched this all the way through. But yeah. you've seen scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. You've seen, you've no seen clips, way. you've seen pictures, you've seen, I mean, really. You cannot escape it. Yeah. In some is, way or other, you have it, seen something yeah. from it. It's an you inescapable thing. You have seen Fragile. You have seen <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. something. <laughs> you've seen something from this. Yes. 
(laughs) Because it is, this is something that is so ground into American culture, Mm -hmm. American (laughs) pop culture. Like, this is sprinkled everywhere, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you think, Mercy? You know, I always used to think this was a really old movie like it tricked me <laughs> like i i legit i think for a long time thought that it was actually made in like the 30s or 40s Damn. or something mm-hmm. i mean at least when i was a kid you yeah, know not yeah. when i got older but yeah. like just the look of it it was yeah. like man this is an old movie yeah um well, but yeah, yeah eight, eight in the 80s yeah, yeah it's actually <laughs> funny because when we started researching this yeah i was starting to write and i thought what year did this come out? Yeah. Like, I just, I couldn't. You can't re- tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I knew it wasn't that. I, w- I yeah. wasn't, But, you know. you know, you also couldn't but, tell, like, did they make it in the 90s? Like, did they make when it did they make I knew did that they... it was old, but I was yeah. like, but I actually, I thought 83 was newer than I thought. I was like, whoa. Yeah. This is, it really is very timeless in yeah. that way. Like, it takes place <laughs> in the late 30s, early yeah. 40s, made in 83, but for mm. some reason- it like tricks our brains. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, I'll be honest, I watched this a lot. Yeah. When I was a kid, my family would watch it. Yeah. It wasn't one we watched every year, like we had a right. schedule, Same. but we just ended up watching it. Yeah. And I thought it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when I was a kid, I was on Ralphie's side. Yeah. I was afraid of the dad. Yeah. I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I knew that it was funny because everyone was laughing at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what? Is this kid going to get his gift or not? <laughs> right. Is his dad going to kill him? Like, what is happening? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, what about the dogs? Yeah. What is up with the dogs what about, eating the turkey? I, I feel, yes, I feel so bad when the dogs eat the yeah. turkey. And, like, I feel bad for the mom. And, like, you know, I remember just watching it as a kid and being like, oh, yeah, that that's, yeah, that's hilarious. You know, like, watching my older <laughs> siblings and, and my family just <laughs> laughing at it. And as I got older, I appreciate it so much more as an adult. Yeah. Right. Rewatching it now, I think it's very sweet, very funny, and yeah. very relatable. I, I, I identified a bit with when he was writing to the, you know, that the report, theme, the theme. Yes. And, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Like, my oh teacher my- is gonna, like, love <laughs> yes. this. She's gonna be on my side. Yeah. She's gonna, yep. you yes. know, and I always, because yeah. I, you know, I'm not, th- like, I can write, but I'm not a writer <laughs> by any means at all. I don't. This this fantasy in my head that I was writing better than I actually totally. was, or, like, yeah, totally. or that Absolutely. it flowed better than yeah. my, than it actually did on paper. Dude. Yeah, you know, you, you think something in your head and then you write it down, and it's like, Dude, uh... have you ever gone back to read some of that old stuff <laughs> from school? Yeah. Oh, oh my man. god. I remember just being like, I'm in the zone right now. This yeah. is, and then, this feels so good right now. Yeah. I, I'm getting it all down. all down. All of my thoughts are here. <laughs> oh my God, it's oh. so jumbled and terrible. I yeah. feel bad for the teachers. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is very relatable even now. Yeah, yeah, honestly. For those of you out there who haven't seen this movie, I'm surprised. But here's a summary for you. It's Christmas time sometime in the late 1930s or early 40s. And the Parker family is getting ready for the big holiday in their hometown of Homan, Indiana. Little Ralphie Parker has only one gift he wants this year, a Red Ryder BB gun. Despite being told no at every turn, and that he will shoot his eye out, Ralphie never gives up hope that Santa will come through and make his Christmas wish come true. A Christmas Story is a hilarious look at the classic American Christmas as told by the late humorist Gene Shepard. 
If you have heard the name Gene Shepard, it's likely because of this film. To many movie watchers today, he's simply the charismatic voice leading us through the story. But Shepard had a long career as a humorist and radio personality, and the story that he so eloquently delivers on screen is, at least in part, his own. Yeah, this is interesting because as a kid, I was very confused about who was narrating this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was adult Ralphie, yeah. but there was something about it that was so like, I was like, I'm missing something. I'm missing, yeah. who is right. that? Like, who is that person? Yeah. So in order to fully appreciate a Christmas story, we need to learn a little bit more about the man behind it all. Gene Shepard was an elusive and enigmatic radio personality that eventually had success as an author and actor. Upon his death in 1999, the New York Times couldn't say for certain when he had been born, and for that matter, his age. According to his obituary, he was either born on July 21st or July 26th, sometime between 1921 and 1929. What? <laughs> how? What the heck? There's no record? Births like, are what? public record. So yeah. I don't know how the New York Times how? couldn't get a hold. Did they not? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of websites will say, yep, this is his birthday, July 26th, huh. 19 whatever. And I yeah. was like, okay, I guess it's his birthday. But then when I looked up an actual obit, that's yeah. what it said. And huh. I was like, that is fascinating. That is, yeah. That is crazy. Did so, the hospital burn down with the I, records? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm like, I just don't know who to believe. Yeah. You know? So I was like, mm. we, even the New York Times said that they didn't know. Yeah. So if the New York Times doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Then we don't we either. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, we know. <laughs> In we our hearts. We're going to keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah. In our hearts. We know. No. <laughs> Shepard started his career in radio shortly after serving in the United States Army Signal Corps during World War II. In 1956, he began broadcasting from the radio station WORAM in New York City. For 21 years, he delighted listeners with his skillful storytelling and meandering stream-of-consciousness monologues. He drew in crowds of hipsters and contrarians and built up a massive cult following who tuned in every weeknight to listen to Shep, as they called him, tell his hilarious anecdotes. I found, Sounds fun. Yeah, I found essays about this guy. Yeah. People were very devoted to him, and they would sit and they'd listen for hours, and they said it was just like verbal jazz. They said it was just oh, like he'd just, nice. he'd just go and go Kept and going. go. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, it's really interesting. He had yeah. a gigantic following, and it makes complete sense because this movie became... So big. A, a, like a huge <laughs> cult phenomenon. <laughs> in 1966, Shepard published his novel, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. <laughs> Great name. Brilliant. <laughs> this is considered to be his most important work and was the basis of two feature films, A Christmas Story and A Summer Story, and several others later. Yeah. Neither one of these films was based on a single story, but was a combination of anecdotes from the novels and ones that Shepard told on air during his show. If you were to read the book, which you can find at your local library, you would recognize parts that were featured in the movie, including Ralphie's search for the Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Yes. And the leg lamp is in the book, too. Yeah. The history of the Daisy Red Rider begins with inventor Clarence Hamilton. He was originally a watchmaker that invented and began manufacturing a vaneless windmill during the 1880s. 
He also operated the Plymouth Air Rifle Company, which built wooden air rifles. In 1888, Hamilton designed an all-metal air gun and presented it to the board of the Plymouth Iron Windmill Company. General Manager Louis C. Hugh test-fired the gun and said, Boy, Clarence, that's a daisy. And that's where the daisy rifle got its name. Wild. <laughs> Hilarious. Wild. <laughs> Boy, Clarence, I can just hear it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, a daisy. You, that hear, you hear, like, jazz in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On an old radio. <laughs> yeah. They're all smoking. Like, you can't even see through the room. Yeah, oh, yeah. My gosh. <laughs> you just see the muzzle of the gun poke through the smoke. <laughs> like a good cartoon. Ah. <laughs> uh. According to company legend, the gun became a premium item available to farmers that bought windmills. But by 1895, the gun's popularity usurped the windmills, and the company began only producing air guns. They changed their name to the Daisy Manufacturing Company. In 1912, Markham Air Rifle Company, the seller of the first financially successful BB gun, was sold to Daisy executives and changed to King Manufacturing Company. Daisy acquired the company in 1928 and is still known today as a leading name in the air rifle production, especially for their legendary Red Rider model. That is such a strange like yeah. sequence yeah. of events there. <laughs> How of all things do you go from you know, windmills right. to uh, watches? Guns. He went from watches to windmills to air guns. <laughs> By the mid-1940s, Daisy was producing over a million Red Ryder BB guns. Before making a Christmas story, Gene Shepard approached the Rogers Daisy Air Gun Museum about a version of the 107 Buck Jones special gun that he wrote about in his book. After some back and forth with the curator, it became clear that the version of the gun that Shepard wrote about didn't actually exist. But the producers of the film insisted that Shepard's version be created for the screen. So the gun that Ralphie uses in the film was made specifically for a Christmas story and does not exist anywhere else. After filming wrapped, they let young Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, keep the prop. Wow. Cute. That's neat. That One is of a really, kind. It is really, yeah, really cool. That is neat. And I love, I love stuff like that because you just cannot rely on memory. Yeah. Nope. Like right. we are all in some sense unreliable narrators. Yes. And so, you know, him being like, Well, no, I remember that gun. Yeah. No, no, I know He's that like, existed. It had a compass on no, the no, hill. Yeah, it had it had a... And they were like, No. No. <laughs> no, 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 we're literally the company. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we have you're not all listening. The... We yeah. have the books. <laughs> They're all we, here. Yeah. yeah. We, we have caught like literal like <laughs> we have minutes from every board meeting. The... We never made that yeah. gun. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing, you know, and, and it's yeah. partly what makes the movie so timeless, too, is just the the melding of memory, the the problems that we have when we can't yeah. quite remember things exactly no. the way they happen and yeah. kind of, you know, that's yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, everybody experiences that, whether it's their own memories or even something like an old movie that they used to love, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I remember that movie so fun that I watched it all the time, but I haven't seen it in years. I remember this and yeah. then this. But then yeah. when you actually watch it, it's like, oh. Oh, maybe uh, I'm mixing up two different movies. Right. Yeah. Or like a movie line yeah. that yes. you swear they said it one way. Yeah. And you watch it and you go, oh, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, that happens. Yeah. All right. Now to our favoritest part of every episode. The bread Ooh. and butter the of bread, the BCD. The bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making of. Making of. Ooh, making of. <laughs> 
1968, Bob Clark was on his way to pick up a date when he first heard Gene Shepard on the radio. Shepard was telling the story of a child getting their tongue stuck to a lamppost in the middle of winter. Oh, Sound familiar? Dear. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. The story lasted 40 minutes, and Clark was so interested that he drove around, making his very upset date wait. He was determined to one day make a film based on Shepard's work. Fifteen years later, he was directing A Christmas Story. Yay! Nice. He did it. Dreams do come true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The screenplay was co-written by Lee Brown and Bob Clark, based on not only Gene Shepard's book, but his various material from tours and radio shows as well. Yeah, some stuff that wasn't even written down. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And also, Lee Brown was married to Gene Shepard at some point. Uh-huh. While Gene Shepard was the one that added the line, you'll shoot your eye out, Bob Clark was the one that had it repeated throughout the film. <laughs> Shepard was on set for the first two or three weeks of shooting. While Clark was a big fan of the radio personality, he felt that Shepard was a bit too obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw some, some criticisms of Gene Shepard yeah. <laughs> while... Uh, you know, researching him. Yeah. And yeah, he was a little intense. I think that was the thing that people said the most <laughs> yeah, about him. Yeah. Just intense. Yeah. Bob Clark didn't say anything bad about him. Yeah. He just was like, you know, it's, you know, it was nice to have him for a little while. And then, you know, <laughs> hey, let's, uh, okay, you know, he's you know? a creative. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. is Bob Clark. And they had ideas. Yeah. And, right. and, you know, that's right. what yeah. happens, man. And right. Exactly. Who, whose movie is it, really? Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's his source material. So, like, yeah. I understand, you know. Right. Yeah. He wants it to be perfect. Yeah. I feel like they said he was kind of a perfectionist. Yeah. That, that yeah. just, you, it's really hard it's to have hard. that on set. It's <laughs> hard to not be in charge when it's your stuff. When you're, yeah. And when you're not. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. yeah. That's why I know we've talked about it before. Like, if any of us wrote something that mm-hmm. got turned into a movie, we'd be, like... I'm hands-on every (laughs) aspect. A Christmas Story was filmed in the early months of 1983 in Toronto and Cleveland, Ohio. Most of the exterior shots were done in Cleveland, including the iconic house on Cleveland Street. Yeah. Very cool. Pretty cool. Weirdly enough, there was no snow in Cleveland at the time, and they had to bring in snowmakers from ski resorts. (laughs) (laughs) Of, uh, of all the times. I have family yeah. in Cleveland, and I cannot tell you how bonkers it is Yeah, yeah. that there was no snow at that yeah. time. Yeah. Dude, they're like buried it's, right now. They are one of the yeah. snowiest cities in the United States. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, yet, how somehow, did that happen? Somehow. The film features the famous Higby's department store, and the scenes inside were filmed on location in the actual store. Yay! That's cool. That's awesome. Higby's left up their Christmas decorations for the shoot, and filming took place after hours. The kids slept all day so they could stay up all night shooting. Yeah. Ooh. That sounds like a fun time. Yeah. It does sound I'm like sure a lot. I'm sure they loved it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. I, yes. They I bet it was a ton of fun. <laughs> like a big slumber party. Yes. Just like all the time. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Christmas story without Gene Shepard's voice carrying the story along for the audience. He not only narrated the movie, but he also appeared in the Higby's department store scene. He was the man that pointed Ralphie and Randy to the back of the line to see Santa. Yeah. Oh, nice yes, cameo. yes. Like, oh. Him and his wife. Yeah. Aww. 
and they were standing there and it's the part where they walk up they're like oh we're gonna go see santa and he says what do you think you're doing ralphie was played by peter billingsley he was chosen out of about eight thousand kids and at first bob clark thought he was too obvious for the part yeah he had already been a host on the reality show real people before landing the role it's interesting because i think there was an offshoot, it was like real kids or real, you know, something like that. And that, and that's where Peter Billingsley was on first, oh. but that didn't do well. And so they just put him uh. in on the real people. I, yeah. Smart. Billingsley was 13, playing the part of a nine-year-old boy. He returned to the role this year in an HBO continuation of the classic holiday movie. Very nice. Yeah. We watched that. Yeah. The HBO. Yes, yeah, the HBO. You? Yes. It's so cute. Nice. It is adorable. And, uh, yeah. I recommend it. Yes. Same yeah, here. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I'm so tired of the Forever After sequels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where out of the blue, they're like, ooh, a sequel to this really yeah. old movie. Yeah. And it's like, not. Not yes, well, just awesome. doesn't have. I really liked stuff. it because it focused on Ralphie again. Good, yes. it being about yes. an adult. Yep. Yeah, who goes to the yeah. bar, who yep. has adult problems, yes. who has money problems. Yeah. Who is, yeah. I mean, I really. It was basically the same story, mm-hmm. but yeah. this time told through the parents' perspective yes. instead of the they, kids' perspective. And he still had like his his personality. Like, he was the same his personality. Person. Right. You know, like That's good. he he did his little funny laugh and you know like <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. these little it was things. Cute. Well, and you know it was just a you know quick little things they nice. didn't dwell on it it yeah. was it was nice i really liked it i thought it was good yeah he was the only kid on the set that was allowed to hold the coveted red rider bb gun the gun was never loaded and he handed it back to an adult the moment the camera stopped rolling yeah they really care uh, about safety yeah, yeah. Yep, they never let him point it at anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And it was just a BB gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which could shoot someone's eye out. Yeah, it really exactly. could hurt no somebody. Yeah. yeah. Bob Clark said that all the kids in the film were intelligent and got along pretty well, despite the bullying on screen. Ian Petrella played Randy, Ralphie's younger brother. In the scene where the boys visit Santa in the department store, they had to ride a big slide. Petrella was terrified of the slide, and the tears he cries in the movie are actually real. Oh, no. Poor kid. Bob Clark didn't make him do a test run because he was already too nervous to do it once. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. <sighs> yeah, if you guys are unfamiliar in the scene in Higby's, <laughs> Santa is basically on top of this mountain. Yeah. And then they have this <laughs> slide that the kids ride down <laughs> to yeah. land in like this puff of like cotton and to be right. snow. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it, as a kid watching it, I was like, I wish this is what it was like. Yeah, that looks like fun. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun, but yeah, it, I guess the kids, some of the kids were terrified of it. I oh. mean, to them, it might have just seemed too high. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could it's see not that. like a little plastic slide. It's no. like a, it's yeah. a full thing. Giant. So. Yeah. Scott Schwartz played Flick, Ralphie's friend on the playground. In one of the most infamous scenes of the movie, Flick gets his tongue stuck to the pole on a particularly cold day. Ah, yes. I've always been like, for some reason, I've always thought that that was a risk at all times. Yeah. yeah. 
like this just was growing like up, a PSA. You yeah, know? Like, <laughs> just growing up, I was kind of scared of it. Just yeah. the idea of it. Not yeah. that I was gonna go around licking poles. <laughs> so it's like it would. It's not, it's not gonna happen to me. Oh, we should yeah. have triple dog dared. But I was just aware, you know. <laughs> I was just aware that it could happen. I was yeah. just like, yeah. oh, God. That's, like, this, do that. I think, to me, has always been funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. even yeah. when I was a kid, this was so <laughs> funny. Like, the fact that the kids all go in from recess, mm-hmm. and yep. he's just stuck out there. Yeah. But they just let him. <laughs> they just leave him. <laughs> just leave him. They're like, well, the bell rang. Like, you know? what are we going to do? And the teacher's like, just like, what's going on? We're... we're this child was here before recess. Yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. know it. What's Where is he now? I, I mean, I just... Oh my gosh. And like the part the part where she's like, now you know who you are. Now, I know that some of you put Flick up to this. But he has refused to say who. But those who did it know their blame. And I'm sure that the guilt you feel is far worse than any punishment you might receive. And Ralphie was like, nah, we all know it's better not to get caught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah are you kidding me? <laughs> you can't trick us. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they felt that guilty anyway. No, no, really. The kids were actually filming in the cold, as evidenced by their pink cheeks and noses. Actor Schwartz, we're happy to say, didn't actually get his tongue stuck to anything. There was a tiny hole in the pole that used suction to make his tongue stick. It looked so fun, the other kids wanted to try it. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> That's good, though. We're cause... all horrified at home. Like, we're all terrified of this yeah, happening. And the yeah. kids are like, ooh, it... let me try. Yeah, uh, it yeah. looks fun. But, but that's good because, like, even if it was only stuck for a moment, it, yeah. it, it would leave, like, like freezer burn on your tongue, essentially. Uh, and that's yeah. no eh, good. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Scott Schwartz was apparently a pain in the neck on set. So the crew would mess with him by breaking for lunch and forgetting to remove him from the pole. (laughs) (laughs) Artie Robb played Schwartz, another friend of Ralphie's and the boy that dares Flick to lick the pole. Robb is now a producer and he has reprised his role as Schwartz in that recent HBO sequel with Scott Schwartz and Peter Billingsley. Yeah. Aww. All the original kids came yeah, back. That's so awesome. Cute. Zach Ward played the horrendous Scut Farkas, Ralphie's bully. <laughs> Dude, there couldn't I don't think there's been a better name for a bully. Yeah. yeah. Scut. I know, right? <laughs> it's such a good thing with the yellow eyes. The yellow yes. eyes. Yes. Yellow eyes. I swear to God he had yellow eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Ward still acts today and also returned to the role of Scut in A Christmas Story Christmas. Yeah. Dude, were you guys ever afraid of somebody as much as Ralphie is afraid of this bully? Of this bully? I don't think so. I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, like, our our bullying was all mostly... Yeah. Uh, psychological. Yeah. I was yeah. I was more afraid of just social situations. Yeah, <laughs> in general, it, it left it left the kind of scars that stick. Bob Clark wanted Melinda Dillon in the role of Ralphie's mother after seeing her in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ooh, yeah, very nice. She was perfect as the loving wife and mother in the 1930s Midwest, a devoted woman that never put herself first. 
When Ralphie beats up his bully at school, Mrs. Parker protects Ralphie because she understands why he lashed out. She has a stronger relationship with Ralphie because of it. Yeah, so this is a really interesting scene in the movie where Ralphie finally has enough and his mom takes him home, fixes him up, and like the whole time he's terrified. Yeah. You know, he's he's so scared of what's going to happen. And then when they have dinner and she tells the dad, oh, Ralphie got into a fight today, and she downplays it yeah. so much. She's like, ah, you know, essentially <sighs> boys will be boys. You know, it's, you know, right. yeah. you know how fine. it is. Yeah. And like the dad, and this, they said this in the co- audio commentary, the dad knows she's full of shit. See, when I yeah. was a kid, I always interpreted it as like, she fooled him. Ah. But right. like the dad knows that yeah. she's full of shit. Yeah. But he's like, well, if she's not worried about it. I guess I'm not even. I'll let it go. Yeah. 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 And that and that's like (laughs) you know, it goes on from there. Yeah. Um, and so like it's such a sweet little scene, you know, where she's like, You've been through enough. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really you shouldn't you shouldn't beat people up. But you know, it's you know, we're gonna just move on. You know it was wrong. You know you should get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So we're just gonna. We're I mean, it's a good thing she go. was there to yeah, pull him off of that's it. That's true. Because he like, was not stopping. No, yeah. he was not. He yeah. could have like given. He could have really some brain damage. Yeah, he really could have hurt him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darren McAvin was not Bob Clark's first choice to play the old man. He actually wanted Jack Nicholson in the part. But the production company didn't want to pay for him. Dude, can you imagine? I, yeah, it would be a different movie. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Bob Clark was grateful in the end because he couldn't imagine a better person for the part. No, really. We agree. We agree. This guy is, he is the old man. Right. Yeah. It just works perfectly. Yeah. He's this really interesting balance of like joy like he wants to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's trying he's trying to make everything perfect. Right. And yep. just complete utter frustration oh, at his yeah. situation. Yeah. And like, you know, he's just this kind of just teetering. Like, it's the between... most real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just yep. you know yep. fighting with the furnace, you know, yes. a typical house problem. Yeah. And, you know, just yeah. One of the most challenging parts of production was convincing the audience that the film took place in the 1940s while being filmed in 1983. Obviously, they succeeded. They fooled Marcy. Yes. Oh, yeah. The actual year that the film was set has been disputed. In one scene, there's a calendar that suggests that it's 1939. Mm. In another scene, Ralphie has a little orphan Annie Dakota ring with the year 1940 on it. It's this kind of ambiguity that makes the film feel timeless and like it's being told as a memory. As we get older, we mix up stories and events blur together, just like they do in this film. Yeah. Yeah. The likelihood of all of these things happening one Christmas is low, right? Yeah. Right, right. When you think about it, and so it's just kind of like, you think about all the Christmases when you were a kid, and each one having a major event yeah. That was, you know, some major mm-hmm. funny Big event. Enough that, yeah. And then, you know, and then when you're an adult, telling them sequentially, like, it's all one Christmas. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes sense with Gene Shepard's stories, too. Yeah. You know, all those yeah. different stories. Yeah. There's and, no way they all happen. <laughs> and people have pointed out that just because the ring has 1940 on it does yeah. not mean that it was 1940. People were saying, like, well, uh, those would get printed 
Ah, uh, early and yes, and early yeah. and sent out. And so, if it was December nineteen thirty nine, yeah, he would, would already have... have the ring for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he would be decoding all next year. Yeah. <laughs> Little Orphan Annie was a radio drama based on the comic strip of the same name. In one scene, Ralphie receives a decoder pin in the mail and uses it. Sorry, we said ring, but it's a pin. Oh yeah. Ralphie receives a decoder pin in the mail and uses it to decode a secret message from the show. The prop department was able to track down an actual decoder pin. Production searched for months to find an authentic radio for the scene. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, they thought it was going to be so easy to find a radio. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and it I mean, took a while. you imagine, like, one that at least works in some, yeah. some way, like, lights up at least? Lights or, up, yeah. You know, we have, we had found one in my grandmother's house yeah. from that time, mm-hmm. from the 40s at least. Wow. And my brother got it to light up, but oh, there's nothing cool. else that we could Doesn't possibly do. It. Yeah. Yeah. When Ralphie and his family visit the mall, they see actors dressed as characters from The Wizard of Oz. This points to the movie taking place in 1939, since that movie would have come out a few months earlier, and it would make sense for the mall to promote it, because they really pushed oh, The yeah. Wizard of Oz yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Using the characters was no problem because they were owned by MGM, the studio behind A Christmas Story. Easy. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yes. Actually... Earlier, they watched like, a Christmas parade, yeah. and there's a scene where Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. and Minnie are walking, uh... and the Wizard of Oz characters come, and like the witch like scares them away, <laughs> and they didn't ask Disney for permission <gasps> oh, to oh, use dear. the characters, <gasps> but they sent the clip to Disney, yeah. and they were like, nah, that's fine. Oh, uh, hey! And I'm like, that- Lucky. Is 1983 Disney for that, you? Yeah, yeah I was it say. is. Because there yeah, is no way now that, that Disney would, would do it. Allow it. They yeah. would allow yeah. Not even for no. a second right. of film. No. They'd be like, they'd be like, cut that or yeah. give us royalty a million dollars. There are so many classic moments in this movie. It would be impossible to choose one that defined the whole thing. Every fan seems to have their own favorite part that speaks to them somehow. It could be something as subtle and hilarious as Ralphie's brother Randy not being able to put his own arms down after his mother bundled him up too tightly in a snowsuit, to the moment that Ralphie discovers the horror of cussing in front of his father. So we're going to talk about some of these moments in the movie. I think I would have to say that one of my favorites yeah. has got to be the the arms in the coat because yeah <laughs> i can't put my arms down <laughs> yeah because... and she like tries and yeah go right because... they boing, right mm-hmm. back because i remember feeling that way yeah. it wasn't as bad as that yeah yeah, yeah. but it felt that bad because yeah. the, the coats were so puffy and i remember putting ski pants on for the first time oh, gosh, when i was man. young the first time i yeah. ever went skiing you put on these big pants over the pants you had on. Yeah. And then, like, pants for the snow to keep you dry, right? <laughs> I felt like I was <laughs> the Michelin man. Not sponsored. But it, it was like... Yeah. It yeah. felt so poofy, so I really yeah. relate to that moment, and I think that's very funny. I mean, my... even recently, I was it was so cold that I bundled up so much, yeah. and I sent a picture to, yeah. to Robin of just me Sometimes bundled up. Sometimes it feels yeah. that way, yeah. I was like, hey, I'm Randy. <laughs> we, 
Yeah, I just I, I love the part where he falls on the ground. Oh yeah, and he actually can't get up because he can't around. He can't use his arms yeah. to get up oh, off the ground. Oh, oh my! my oh, and then when Scut Farkas is going after them, and he <laughs> he falls and he just plays dead. Yeah, he and just Ralphie's, lays there. Ralphie's like, Randy's playing dead. It's the only the only card he has right now. The yeah. only thing that can keep him safe. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so good. Oh my god. The leg lamp is possibly the most famous physical gag of the film. Oh yeah. Even if you haven't seen A Christmas Story, you have likely seen its most famous prop. A lamp shaped like a woman's leg. It comes as a prize won by Ralphie's old man in a box famously marked Fragile. Must be Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Must be. Gene Shepard's idea for the lamp came from a knee-high beverage ad. So there was a pop, a drink. Yeah. It was called knee-high because the bottles were so tall, uh, they supposedly went up to your oh. knee if you put them on the ground. Wow. Ha. Clever. Hey, here you go. Knee-high. <laughs> yes. He described the lamp in his novel under the story titled My Old Man and the lascivious special award that heralded the birth of pop art. The first version of the infamous leg lamp appeared in a PBS film called Phantom of the Open Hearth. That film was also based on Gene Shepard's stories and followed Ralphie as a teenager. Whoa. Ah, Nice. Production designer Reuben Freed developed a version of the lamp that appears in A Christmas Story. He had three lamps made, none of which survived production. Oh, man. Oh, All three of them were broken in that scene where she drops the lamp on purpose. The mom breaks uh, the lamp. Well, well, quote, unquote, on I'm purpose. Not, right. We never truly yeah. know, but we know. she did Yeah, she's like, I don't know what happened. No, I was I, just watering I the plants. No idea. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Clark kept the lamp hidden until it was time to film the scene, so the reactions from the actors would be more genuine. Yeah. Wow, that's that's great. <laughs> That's awesome because it definitely triggers something. Yeah. Seeing that yeah. lamp. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. oh, we're going to have this in our room. Okay. And he wants to put it in the window. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's 1939, yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, everybody's staring in, and Ralphie's just, like, running his hand up the leg. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. No. He's just a child. <laughs> The snap of a few sparks, a quick whiff of ozone, and the lamp blazed forth in unparalleled glory. In a scene where Ralphie helps his dad with the car, the young boy accidentally blurts out the F-word. The scene does not include the actual word, so Ralphie says fudge instead. Mm, my, f- my favorite substitute. <laughs> yes. Bob Clark had Peter Billingsley say both words so they could show his mouth saying the curse word and the audio saying fudge. Yeah. Immediately after, Mrs. Parker puts a bar of Life Boy soap in his mouth. Ugh. The bar was actually made of wax. Not, not better. <laughs> because here, I'm going to tell you guys something. I, <laughs> I, I have bit a bar of soap before. Um, uh, when I was five, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I, I had. so nice. I, was, I didn't understand yeah. the idea of uh, intrusive thoughts. And <laughs> I, yes. I was yes. in, taking my bath, and yeah. it, was so, it yeah. was softish. Yeah. And I thought, like, this, I just want to bite right into this. And yeah. 
did this not look satisfying. To yeah, yeah, did not police that thought at all. I just <laughs> and my teeth were stuck in it because of the yeah yeah. Ugh. Okay. If now you, you know. don't know, soap is it is so uh, bitter. There's yeah, there's nothing more bitter than a soap. A lot of people yeah. uh, with the Life Boy soap remember. Yeah, yeah they apparently. remember what soap tasted like. Mm-hmm. This scene was apparently very relatable to many of the adults in the audience who remembered soap as a common punishment for bad language. The over-the-top reactions from Mrs. Parker and Mrs. Schwartz are played for laughs. However, many people find the part where Mrs. Parker hears Mrs. Schwartz hit her son to be outdated and difficult to watch. Uh, so this is yeah. obviously an exaggeration where she says, he, the dad says, Ralphie said the F word. And she's just like screams like, oh my God, Ralphie, why? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. as if it's the most ridiculous, like, you know, yeah. the worst thing he could have possibly done. Yeah. The scene filmed in Higby's department store captures the chaos of holiday shopping. Sure does. Oh, yeah. The line to see Santa is weeks long. The place is completely packed, and Ralphie and Randy venture into the crowd alone to meet Santa. Now, that was the 40s already. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you yeah. imagine just letting your kid... A completely packed mall. Seriously. Yeah. Like, and you're just letting your imagine. kids go. Yep. Just letting like, them... Nope. Nothing could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. <laughs> As Ralphie waits in line, an odd little boy keeps trying to talk to him about the Wizard of Oz. The reactions from Peter Billingsley in this scene were completely real. It was a bit that Bob Clark decided to do on the spot, and he put the boy in scene without telling Peter what to do. Peter's discomfort really comes across on screen. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he it's is like perfect. super weirded out by that kid. Yeah. And in the commentary, he was like, you really were kind of freaked out. He said, I was. The annoyed elves in the scene were played by local actors. Jeff Gillen played the jaded and somewhat terrifying Santa Claus. He was an old friend of Bob Clark's. Oh, nice. Dude, this Santa Claus, the ho, ho, ho. And he like taps his forehead to make him go down the slide. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. When Ralphie wakes up on Christmas morning, there is a magical snowfall just outside his window. The crew knew it would drop below freezing in Cleveland overnight, so all they had to do to get the picturesque scenery was to spray the trees with water the night before. Yeah, it's just water. That's clever. Yeah. The Christmas hilarity continues when Ralphie's mother forces him to put on a pink bunny suit that a relative sent him. As a 13-year-old boy, Peter Billingsley found the outfit very embarrassing to wear in front of the crew. He, he does still own the suit, however. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he's, and he said it was uncomfortable, too, oh. I think, which makes it worse. Oh, no. It's just like, ugh. It's like probably itchy. And... Yeah. Ralphie finally gets his Christmas wish for a Red Ryder BB gun when his father surprises him with one last gift. It's an incredibly touching moment that captures the magic of Christmas morning. Although Ralphie's father is nowhere near a perfect parent, he comes through in the end. Yeah, I mean, the movie does not pretend that this family is perfect. No. The idea is that they're dysfunctional. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. and the dad, it really is sweet, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the mom probably didn't know about the other gift. Like, this is something he did. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's so nice. Yeah, it's like yeah. he was listening to, yeah. to him the whole time, you know? Yeah. 
The Parker's Christmas dinner goes awry when the neighbor's dogs break in and destroy the food. This is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the dogs yeah. come in and destroy the food. Oh, yeah. They yeah. spent oh money gosh. on yes. you know, the heating the oven for the whole day or so to yeah. cook it. And, oh right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my you gosh. Know, like, yeah. The family heads to a Chinese restaurant called Bo Ling Chop Suey Palace. The sign on the front actually says bowling, <laughs> with a burnt-out W. When assistant director Ken Goach was a child, his mother mistakenly took the family to a bowling alley for dinner because the W was missing from the sign. She thought it was the name of a Chinese restaurant. The scene was filmed on location in Toronto, and the building still exists. It's one of those rare moments yeah. where the exterior and the interior are the same building. Very nice. Yeah. It is now a French restaurant. Yes. Ooh. It likely was never a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Probably not. Right. Mrs. Parker, Melinda Dillon, was actually given the wrong script for the scene on purpose. She knew that the waiter would bring out roast duck, but she did not know that the duck would still have its head attached. <laughs> Her squeal and subsequent laughter was unscripted and a genuine reaction. Snap. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I watched this and it's like, first of all, that duck looks so good. Yeah. It looks delicious. Mm -hmm. I would love oh, to yeah. eat roast duck. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, with the head on it. <laughs> it's just yeah. not something you expect, I guess. No. And the way he just chops it, he chops the head off and he just puts it in his pocket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh. Everyone at the restaurant is so kind and accommodating to the Parkers with the manager even asking the staff to sing carols. Even though the family is apprehensive at first, they seem to enjoy their meal wholeheartedly. The scene includes insensitive racial stereotypes and tropes, and is often the moment of the film that people point to as an example of it not aging very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This scene, what's going on, is that they're kind of making fun of them. Yeah. Like, these people are being so nice. Yeah. They brought you out this delicious duck. Yeah. They're singing carols they're for you. They're open on Christmas. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, they're being so nice. And it's, like, you know, it's being played for laughs. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. like, that That kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I totally I totally get That's that. That's a valid one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The 2017 A Christmas Story Live changed the scene by including a professional a cappella group called Philharmonic to sing the carols to the Parkers. After their beautiful performance, Ralphie's father says, I wasn't expecting that. The manager, played by Ken Jeong, asks, What were you expecting? The 2017 I mean, Live A Christmas Story uh, was not popular, uh, but... No. This scene, people did really like, actually. Yeah. They liked they changed it, yeah. yeah, and they thought it was really funny. Aww. That he's like, well, oh, what were you expecting? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. The film ends with Mr. and Mrs. Parker sitting quietly by the tree, watching the snow fall while the young boys are asleep, clutching their favorite new toys. The peaceful ending completely captures the bittersweet feeling at the end of Christmas. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. ending makes me cry when I watch it because it's so, like... <sighs> mm -hmm. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like she comes, she puts the boys to bed, she comes downstairs and she sits there and they're just looking out the window together. It's just yeah. like right. <sighs> made it through another Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the movie is about Ralphie. Yeah. So we don't actually see how hard 
Christmas is on the adults. Like mm-hmm. we see them oh, yeah. struggle with stuff. Yeah, we see them. You know, when the yep. car breaks down yep. and the dogs eat the food, yep. and all and the dads of- trying to get a good deal on a Christmas tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you see all that stuff, but like you don't really. You really you're you're watching it all through Ralphie's yeah perspective, mm-hmm. and you don't really see how it is on them. You know, you know <laughs> that they just they just they also had a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> right. You they know, also went through this right, stuff. but it was so good at the end. Yeah. Like everything mm-hmm. turned out mm-hmm. okay, and everything yep. was so nice, and it's that nice peaceful warm feeling of just like we did it yep (laughs) one of the reasons why you still at the end of all of the chaos are like you know what you still enjoy christmas right it is still good yeah all right so now that we've done the making of now it's time for a reception yay So this film had an estimated budget of $3.3 million, and it grossed $20.7 million. That's pretty good. Not terrible. For a low-budget movie. Its popularity, having grown over the years, has led to its cult status and various sequels and iterations. Yeah. So the first one that came about as a sequel was Ollie Hopnoodle's Haven of Bliss from 1988. This was a made-for-TV sequel that's about the family's summer vacation where Ralphie gets a job and they have a family dog that goes missing. Aww. It was yeah. It was written by and features the voice of Gene Shepard, but had Dick Bartlett as director. Wow. Yeah. And it didn't really have any of the same people really yeah. at all. This is so it interesting. Is. It's yeah. I, like... You just think a Christmas story is it, but oh my yeah. god, there's so much. Yeah, yes. it's like a crazy yeah. anthology yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it goes along with Gene Shepard's whole thing, really, yeah. you know? The next one that came about was My Summer Story, which also may be known as It Runs in the Family, from 1994. This sequel brought back Bob Clark and Gene Shepard to work together. Kieran and Christian Culkin play Ralphie and Randy in this combination of Shepard stories. All right. Yeah. Next one comes in 2012, A Christmas Story 2. A Christmas Story 2 was a direct-to-DVD sequel that brings Ralphie back as a teenager that wants a 1938 Hupmobile Skyline convertible. I don't know if Santa can... (sighs) Make that one happen. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a bit that might be a toughie. <laughs> and then the final one is the twenty twenty two just released a Christmas story Christmas. It's a sweet nod to the original as well as Gene Shepard's stories and books. It is also the only sequel to bring back more than one person from the first movie. And it's beautiful. It yeah. is so sweet. Next, we have the live version. Oh, here we go. Oh, boy, guys. After the success of a live television production of Grease, Fox decided to give Christmas Story a try. Uh, So, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. I don't think Grease doing well. Like, why do you jump to a Christmas story? Why is that that's your second question? That's Adam. a really good question yeah. because Grease was already, like, A Christmas Story was also a Broadway musical, yes. I understand, but this, like, 
Grease was such an established musical. Yes. Right? That's what I'm saying. And it's known as a musical. Whereas yes. Christmas and Story. And its original yeah. movie was a musical. Yeah. yeah. And Christmas Story is not known as that. Yeah. So, like, right. it does feel like a weird jump. Yes. Like, just pick another one that's a musical. Right? Seriously. There were a lot you could have done first. Yeah. Then you work your way up to a Christmas Story. <laughs> right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. the Broadway musical exists, sure. Yeah. yeah. But, like... So in 2017, there was a live television event that combined elements of the Broadway show with the movie. The music was done by the same duo that did Dear Evan Hansen and La La Land. I don't think they're the reason this tanked. No. Uh, Honestly, one of the biggest reasons was that it was three hours long. Yeah. This version also featured Matthew Broderick as the narrator slash adult Ralphie. In 1976, Broderick's father, James, also played Ralphie in a PBS film based on Gene Shepard's stories. Yeah. That's cute. So that that PBS one I mentioned. You're probably familiar with this movie if you've ever tuned into TBS on Christmas. Yeah. Christmas story? Yeah. In 1985, Ted Turner purchased MGM. And then promptly resold it in 1986. When selling it, however, he kept the rights to more than 2,000 films, including, you guessed it, A Christmas Story. So in 1991, Turner began playing the film on his various channels, and by 1997, it had increased ratings and became popular enough that Turner decided to begin showing it for a full 24-hour marathon. This year marks the 25th year of this marathon. So, guys, it's almost the oh, end yes. of, oh, our, almost of our Christmas there. tale. <laughs> fun facts. Here's some fun facts about a Christmas, oh, yeah. Christmas story. Fun Woo! Bob Clark once went to a Chinese restaurant in New Hampshire and thought he heard lines from the movie. He looked over the booth and saw a family of four acting out the movie with all the lines. He was told by the waitress that the family came in every year as a tradition and acted out the whole movie. This happened again in Santa Monica. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. I feel really bad for that waitress. I'll be honest. (laughs) Having having to hear the movie every time. She was just like, cool. We're not singing to you yeah, guys. Yeah, I was going to ask. I, I was like, I wonder, I wonder yeah. if they yeah. say Yeah, you can pretend say. that we are, but. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> One of the girls in the scene where Ralphie is beating up the bully grew up and had a baby that ended up being in one of Bob Clark's baby genius movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> Zach Ward, who plays Scott Farkas, was a big fan of Peter Pan as a kid. Since he had red hair and looked like him, he named a puppy that he got Tinkerbell because that's Peter Pan's sidekick. Yeah. I just thought that was so cute. Yeah. Scott Fergus had a heart after all. (laughs) Director Bob Clark plays a cameo. He is Swede, the neighbor on the street with the colorful beanie right next to old man Parker as they gaze at the lamp in the window. So you remember when they get the lamp? He puts it in the window, and then yep. all the neighbors kind of gather outside, like, out. what? what is that in yeah. your window? Yep. And he's like, it's an award. <laughs> a Christmas Story was one of the inspirations for the Wonder Years. Yay, hey, that cute. makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yes, in the same kind of yes. vibe. I, I thought the same thing watching it. I was like, this is very Wonder Years-esque. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, any last thoughts before I wrap this up? Uh, like a Christmas present. Hey, ah, put it on a bow and everything. 
first one of the season. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Put it right under the, the BCD tree. Oh, yes. Um, we all know that this is a classic Christmas movie, and mm-hmm. there will always be people watching it, parents showing it to their kids, mm-hmm. or staying up and watching the 24-hour marathon, <laughs> the whole thing. My father-in-law has one of these lamps, like a, a not, <laughs> oh the, not the not yeah, the full scale version, full... but like a small like oh, gotcha. replica. Yeah, you know it, it's so I see it all the time, mm-hmm. and all of those jokes, like all the scenes that are hilarious and very relatable. You know, too many layers in the cold, or <laughs> yes. getting your tongue stuck to a pole. It, the, you know, it it has so many of those classic holiday things. Mm-hmm. Like so many of them come from this movie. Yeah, that you can't forget about it. You know, yeah. it's always going to be there, and that's mm-hmm. that's cool. It's one of those things that it feels like this movie came out in '83, mm-hmm. but it just feels like it's always existed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so it, established. It's just existed since the beginning of time. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah. was the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first, and then just the, the the first Christmas movie. And yeah, yeah. This is honestly, it is such a fun movie to watch as an adult, <laughs> especially like if you grew up watching it and you remember what it was like to watch it as a kid. Yeah, and just there's so much more to it. <laughs> you as, know. Yeah, I I laughed at the, I, a part that I hadn't really remembered. Was when he is having this daydream <laughs> that he is protecting his family. It's like the old West kind of look, yeah. and he's like, "I'll get them for you, Mom and Pa." You know, like yeah, he's got the he's got like yes. chewing tobacco in yeah, his mouth, yeah. and yes. there's these very cartoonish robbers outside the window <laughs> that are just like you know the black and white stripes. Yes, and, you know they're just they just escaped around. from yeah, jail exactly, yeah. and just yeah. coming. After them for some reason. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I was like, oh my gosh, that is hilarious, and it would be so fun to like pretend to just be shooting yes. and mm-hmm. just these I... random robbers coming. <laughs> There's a reason that A Christmas Story has endured as long as it has. Audiences are used to the sappy holiday films with seemingly perfect families that face some Christmas issues. But this movie isn't about a perfect family. The Parkers are dysfunctional in a way that speaks to the average American family. Even though they make mistakes, they're trying. And the parents find a way to come through for their kids. It drives home the timeless message that Christmas, just like everything, doesn't have to be perfect to be great. Yeah. Yay. And podcasts too. Yeah. Yes, especially yep. podcasts. <laughs> so be forgiving to yourself and to us. Yes. So- <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. And I think that is our season premiere case <gasps> closed. Woo! We did it. Look Woo! at that. We didn't First lose try. it. Woo! First Woo! try. Woo! That was so clean that was exhilarating guys i'm ready for the season now let's do it <laughs> let's record the next, next episode. episode maybe right not now. Well, you know, well, <laughs> no. maybe not I'm okay too tired for that. all right but, uh, <laughs> thank you so much to everyone who listened especially our patrons yeah. joel john jacob jacqueline jd anthony shelly bob linda jaron and and brad Woo! 
Thank yes. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you guys. Thank you for, for bringing their... us back. Yes. That's true. Thank yeah. you very much. We're here for you guys. Yes. Well, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Next to me in the blackness lay my oil blue steel beauty. The greatest Christmas gift I had ever received or would ever receive. Gradually, I drifted off to sleep, pranging ducks on the wing and getting off spectacular hip shots. Thank you.